This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. And we've been over the last almost seven weeks now talking about renewal, talking about what God is doing in the earth. Say it with me, renewal. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Underline that or highlight that tonight, or swipe right or swipe left. I don't know which way you swipe these days, but (laughs) highlight that because we're going to hone in on this tonight. And we've been talking about the way through which God brings renewal into our lives. The way through which God brings renewal into our lives. Bible says here that you may, through testing, discern what is the will of God. How many want to know what God's will is for your life? How many of you already know what God's will is? All right. Well, you can just head on out the door because I'm going to tell you. But, <laughs> but here's the deal. What is good and acceptable and perfect? None of us are perfect, but we're aiming for what God's will is, because God's will for our life is perfect. Meaning God has a perfect plan in store for you. And he made you particularly, come on, and he made you in mind for that plan, for that purpose that he created you for. And so part of the way that we discover that is by having our minds renewed. Say renewal. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We want our thoughts to be different than they were a day ago, five weeks ago, come on, five years ago. But how many of you guys know it's easy to get into ruts? Yeah, it's easy to get into ways of thinking and patterns of believing that keep you where you are. I don't know about you guys, but for 2021, I don't want to be stuck where I was five years ago. I don't want to be stuck really where I was five weeks ago or even five days ago. I want to continue to move forward because God is a moving forward kind of God. He's a God of progress. He's a God of movement. All throughout the scriptures, we see the story of a God who says, follow me as I take you somewhere. And so most of of what we see in our Bibles is really just the journey of people learning how to trust, follow, and serve God with their lives. And it's the same for us as Christ followers, as Jesus' disciples, we are called to follow in his way. We are called to trust him, to love him, to serve him, and to follow where he wants to take us. How many of you guys have been following Jesus for a little while now? I've been following Jesus for a minute, 30-something years, and I've come to learn this, that it is a adventure, it is a roller coaster. It is full of ups. It is full of downs. Anybody feel me on that? It comes with twists and turns and surprises. Now, I am a very OCD, very structured individual. Am I not, Candace? Am I telling the truth tonight? For the most part, she agrees. I like my planner. I like my calendar. I like my systems. I like everything in my closet to be a certain way. I even like the direction of the hangers to be a certain way. It drives me crazy if Candace puts a shirt in and it's going the wrong way and 20 other shirts are facing back at me the other way. Anybody that crazy? John, you and I, 
We actually, I saw a lot of hands go up. Wow, you all need help. We're just a church full of basket cases, aren't we? <laughs> now, I got to say, I've mellowed out a lot. That's why Candace is going like this, because when you get married to somebody who's the complete opposite of you, they help mellow you out. They help smoothen your rough edges, if you will. But I love the plan. I love the structure. I love to know four years down the road what's coming. You know, I'm always looking ahead. I'm like, okay, God, you know, I want to get, I want to get it all kind of laid out and f- so I can figure it out, right? I can dig my, my hands into it. And my, I can make plans. I can do all that, right? But God sometimes doesn't play along. <laughs> God doesn't always work with my timetable. He doesn't always work with my habits. He doesn't always work within my box that I want to put him into. He never does. But the challenge to us as believers is to follow where we haven't been. It's to follow when we don't know where we're going. Now, every once in a while, uh, God will pull the, the cosmic veil back a little bit and give you a little peek, a little sneak preview, I like to call it. He likes to sometimes leave little breadcrumbs. You guys remember that story, Little Red Riding Hood? And correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't she like following the breadcrumbs? That's Hansel and Gretel? Thank you. Not exactly where I was going with that analogy, but they followed the breadcrumbs to their demise, right? They lived. Okay. We're finding out new information here on the spot. I like this, guys. Let's keep this interactive tonight. Let's keep this live. So you can't get this online. We got, we got Hansel and Gretel here, and we got all kinds of things happening. I love it. But the point I'm trying to make, uh, not so well, is that oftentimes God will, will lead us and he'll give us clues. He'll give us indicators. He'll, he'll put up little signs like, don't go here. This way leads to destruction. Like, go this way. This way leads to life. Right? Didn't Jesus say that? Broad is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the one that leads to life. So God doesn't want us to fall into to traps and snares and um, pits. He wants us to to walk that narrow road and to follow him into life. It doesn't always mean we know where we're going. So the point I'm trying to make in this introduction is this. The life of a believer, the life that you and I are called to, is a life of following when we don't know where we're going. Last week, we talked about another man within the scriptures who didn't know where he was going, named Moses. God called Moses to lead his people out of Egypt into the promised land, into the land of Canaan. And that land was full of tribes and hostile people that wanted to kill him and that wanted to kill the people that he was called to lead. Moses didn't know where he was going, per se. And he didn't know how he was going to get there. But God assured him of this. My presence will go with you. My presence will go with you. And last week we talked about what that word presence means. It's the word panim in the Hebrew, and it means God's face. God is literally saying he's turning his face toward Moses to assure him that he's going to go with him, that he's going to be with him, that he's going to fight his battles, that he's going to send angels into the land to drive out the giants in it. And last time I checked at the text we looked at, Exodus 33, there was one angel that he said he was going to send. God doesn't need a whole lot, right, to do a whole lot. 
He can send one angel and he can take care of the problems that stand in front of us. And he did it with Moses. Obviously, we know that Moses never got to get into the land, right? Because he sinned, because he turned away from God in his moment of anger and rebellion. He hit the rock instead of leading the people in love. But we know that Joshua did. Joshua's generation did. And they got to, to go where Moses wasn't able to go. Tonight, I kind of want to piggyback off this idea of understanding and valuing God's presence and a message that I'm calling walking in the presence. We're talking about walking in the way of life that God created for you and I to walk in. God didn't create you to live apart from him. So I want to start there tonight. God didn't create you to live apart from his presence. If you are living apart from the presence of God, you are already, come on, you are already lost. And it is God's heart that you would be found. It's God's heart that you would experience his love and his kindness and who he is. All those attributes that we talked about last week, his grace, his mercy, his power, his authority, all those things that we see within the panim of God, the presence of God. And so I believe this. I believe that in valuing the presence of God, we learn how to walk in the presence of God to go places that we've never been. And God assures us, listen, my child, I'm going to go with you. And I know you're going to freak out a little bit. I know you're not going to understand some of these surprises, some of these turns, some of these, these valleys and these mountains, these moments and seasons that characterize our life, right? I know you're not going to always get that. But I want you to know this. I am with you, and I'm never going to leave you, and I'm never going to forsake you. Some of you had a parent or parents that left you and forsook you. Uh, some of you had spouses that walked out on you or boyfriends or girlfriends that uh, walked out on you. God is not a man that he should lie. God is not a man that's limited in any capacity. He is a, 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 a spirit. He is a person. He is a loving father. Come on, he is your creator and he made you and he will watch over you. He will look after you and he will never leave you. Even in your most darkest moment, even when you've acted a, a fool, as they used to say, God still ain't going to leave you. And God never left his people. He tabernacled, he set up his camp or presence right in the midst of them. In the midst of a, a people that were prone to making idols, who does that sound like? Us. In the midst of a people that were prone to turn their back and try to do it their own way, who does that sound like? Yours truly. In the midst of a people that had just come out of a culture steeped in paganism, many gods, many choices, many ways, what does that sound like? We're right there. That's the American cultural landscape in a nutshell. Choices about whom you're going to worship and serve. Choices about what you and I are going to give our lives to. Choices about what we're going to walk away from or walk into. Tonight, I want us to walk into the presence of God with a heart of expectation that there is more for us in what's ahead than what's behind I think for many of us that have been following Jesus for a while, it's really easy to look at the good seasons of your life. You know those moments that were just special, that were just marked by that special touch, right, where things were going good? Maybe you haven't had that yet. <laughs> Let me tell you, they're coming. 
They're, they're ahead of you. I promise you that. But some of us can get trapped there and we can build monuments to the past, like to those moments and seasons of our life where things were really good. And we, we talk about the glory days. Anybody remember the movie Napoleon Dynamite? Anybody remember the character Uncle Rico? Uncle Rico is one of my favorite characters in all of cinema. Uncle Rico is a man who is stuck in the past, glorifying and building a monument to when he was in high school. And the funny thing is we, we don't really know from the movie if he was actually any good, but in his mind, he was. In his mind, that season was the good old days. But he was stuck there. Everybody was trying to move forward, but Uncle Rico was stuck in the past. He was stuck in that moment, and he couldn't get out of it because he wasn't willing to change, was he? He wasn't willing to embrace the new. He wasn't willing to think renewed thoughts. For us as a people, I think the biggest challenge that we find ourselves in is that many of us who have been following Jesus have experienced some really great things, even within the church. And there have been different models and ways of expressing that. Some of you that have traveled to other nations have seen this play out in different ways. I know I have in the, in the season that I was traveling all throughout the world doing ministry abroad. I got to see God move in a lot of different ways. And if we're not careful, we can make those seasons and, and methods and wineskins into sacred cows that we end up worshiping instead of the living God who's calling us into more, who's calling us to follow where we haven't been. And so tonight, I really want to encourage us as a church to trust God with the uncertainty, to trust God with the awkward moments, come on, to trust God with the uncomfortable silences when we're not sure what to do, to trust God that he actually trusts you. Did you know that God actually trusts you more than you think he does? For some of you, that should blow your mind. I know me. <laughs> And I do a pretty good job of getting things figured out from time to time. But I've come to learn this. God actually trusts me with decisions. And he trusts you with decisions. And he goes, you know what? I want to see what you want to do. And that is a really amazing place to be. But it's also really terrifying, isn't it? I've helped people and I've counseled people who are like, I just want to know what to do. I just don't know which one, if I should go here or if I should go here, if I should marry this person or not marry this person. And my reply sometimes is maybe that is something God is trusting you with. Maybe that's a decision that God is trusting you to make. Jesus did this. He trusted his disciples with decisions. They didn't always get it right. But he trusts them more than we think he does. And in the same way, he trusts us more than we think that he does. Why is this important? Because if God trusts you, it means that you don't have to be scared or timid. Come on, to take a step. You don't have to be scared or timid to get it wrong. It's much easier to steer a moving vehicle than it is a parked one. A lot of people are stuck, not just because they're making monuments to the past, but they're stuck because they're waiting for God to do something for them. And God is waiting for them to do something. Can I say that again? Many of us get stuck waiting for God to move and God's waiting on us to move. He's waiting for us to put our faith into motion. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. 
What does that mean? It means that you can't sit on your hands and just expect God to do everything for you. You've got to make some choices. You've got to make some decisions. But this is what's so amazing about trusting in Jesus. Jesus said, I will give you my spirit. I will lead you and guide you into all truth. I will give you the mind of Christ. I will help you discern that which is good and acceptable and perfect. How? By having your minds renewed. So we've been in this eight-week series, I guess you could call it, talking about how to have our minds renewed, how to embrace the new thing of God. Jesus from the throne of God in Revelation 21.5 says, I'm making all things new. We've looked at this verse every week. I am making all things new. That's Jesus's commitment to you. I want to make all things new in your life, Matt. I want to make all things new in your life, Lisa. I want to make all things new in your life, Chrissy. I want to make all things new. So tonight as we venture into this, I want us to fully embrace the idea that you can be okay taking a step even if you're not sure if it's the right one to take. Does that make sense? It will in just a moment. We're talking about walking in the presence of God. James chapter 4 verse 8 says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You know what this says to me? Take the step. And you know what's going to happen? Candace, would you come up here? Woo! All right, you're going to be God. I'm going to be me. Already kind of how it works in our house anyways. I'm going to take a step, and I want you to take a step toward me. That was a big step. I took a little step. Did you see how big of a step she took? Hey. Hey. <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> Thank you. The idea, guys, is that as we take a step, even when we don't know if it's the right one to take, should I go here? Should I move here? Should I take this job? Should I marry this person? Right? We take that step in faith. God takes another step toward us. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. The word in the Greek is actually engizo, and it means this, to join yourself to. Like a man and a woman who, who join themselves in marriage or in intimacy, that's really what the idea is behind that work. It's to join your, behind that word, it's to join yourself to God. So we could literally retranslate this to say, join yourself to God, and God will join himself to you. You see, I said at the beginning, God doesn't want you to live your life apart from him. He wants every part of you to be a part of what he's doing and every part of him to be a part of what you're doing so that when people look at you, they're like, huh, I see a lot of God in that mix. I see a whole lot of God up in that scenario. Amen? So as we draw close, we're talking about taking steps. I think what derails some of us, if I'm being honest, is that we've been told that faith is a blind leap. Here's the cliff and just... I think I made it. Or if you're like me and you grew up in the 80s with Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, come on. Right? So we're taught, and it's a great movie, by the way, but we're taught that faith is a blind leap. But you know what I've come to realize after following Jesus for 33 years of my life? Because I was really little when I started. I'm not that old. 
You know what I found out? Following Jesus is more like baby steps. Not blind leaps. Ugh, I did it. I started a new ministry. Ugh, I did it. I started a, a big philanthropic operation. I did it. I, I cured world hunger. No, it's just little baby steps. Anybody remember, remember that movie, What About Bob? Bill Murray, baby steps out of the apartment, baby steps down the hall. Some of you guys look at me like, what? Rent it? It is such an amazing movie. Richard Dreyfus, Bill Murray, Frank Oz directed, amazing. Baby steps down the hall, baby step out of the apartment, baby step to work. Baby, he's taking baby steps. It'll make more sense if you see the movie. But the idea, guys, is that God wants us to draw near to him, but we don't have to just jump all in. Ah. What happens in the church? A lot of people, they get saved, and they're like, ah, I'm all in for God. Ah, I'm going to go change the world. And they just get beat up. They get run over. They get smacked around. They come out, and they, ah. no one told me anything about spiritual warfare. No one told me anything about people gossiping and being mean. No one told me that I'd be rejected for my faith and persecuted and hated on behalf of Christ. No one told me that part in the altar call. I thought everything was going to get better. I thought it was rainbows and sunshines, unicorns and cotton candy. <laughs> if that was the version of the gospel you were sold, I'm here to tell you tonight, unfortunately, you've been sold a lie. Because the truth is, in this world, Jesus says, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Therefore, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. You will be hated and persecuted for my sake. You will be before kings and leaders and authorities for my sake. But do not fear. I will tell you what to say. Do not fear. I will be with you until the very end of the age. Do not fear. My presence and panim will go before you and with you. Do not fear what man can do. Do not fear if they kill the body. Come on, do not fear if they throw you into jail. Do not fear, right? So the minute we begin to take steps to draw close to God, to embrace the new thing, to walk in this season of renewed favor and life and anointing and power, we're going to have hardship. We're going to have to wrestle with ambiguity. We're going to have to wrestle with tension. It means some people that we pray for are going to get healed and some aren't going to be. Some are going to come back and say, thank you, Jesus, and some aren't. It means there's going to be a variety of experiences that we're going to experience in life. But if we're taking baby steps, we're following Jesus, we're going in the way that we're called to walk, his presence is with us, what else do we need? A lot of us give up on the journey. So we, we start taking steps. And then we're like, this is hard. I'm just going to sit this one out for a moment. Oh. No, 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 you go right ahead, Jesus. I'm just going to set up a little cot right here. Oh, that looks good. Netflix, all right. What do we got on tonight? Oh, let's see what's on Hulu, okay. And here we are, seven months later in COVID-19, watching, binging, putting on the 15 pounds, from eating all of the M&Ms that you found in your kid's jar. I swear this is a living analogy. I found candy in my kid's room under the bed and I ate it. It was amazing. And what are we doing? 
We're not baby stepping. We're not even walking. We're sitting. We're binging, right? And, it's, and there's no judgment, right? We all, who loves Netflix? Yeah, everybody's hands up, right? We all can find something we enjoy. So, so, so this isn't about legalism. This isn't about, well, I just got to get rid of that thing. Look, we all try it and then we go right back to it five months later. Come on. We cancel it and then we bring it back. So this isn't really about that. This is about learning how to not get stuck in the ruts, in the moments, but to keep following Jesus. The disciples all throughout their time with Jesus had moments where they could have gotten stuck. And some of them did. When you look at what happened in the book of Acts, there's many that Jesus called, but there's few that actually showed up to the upper room when the Holy Spirit descended with tongues of fire. If you haven't read that story in your Bible, I encourage you to read it. It's powerful. Really, the whole book of Acts is the story of God moving, God calling his church to move, to act, to take nations, to take territories, to step out in faith. They didn't get it all right. Come on, they made mistakes like you and I do. They went through seasons of heartbreak and heartache and distraction and diversion, just like you and I do. But you know what? They kept going. When Paul was imprisoned and beaten, come on, and flogged, it didn't stop him. He kept going. He kept taking steps. Why? Because he was walking in the presence of God. He was walking with the presence of God. He, he knew that God was with him. He knew that Jesus and his spirit was with him. So it freed him up. He didn't live paralyzed. Well, should I do this or should I not do it? He went for it. And if there's one thing I know is that God will take your faith, however big or however small, and he will do miracles with it. He will do things beyond what you thought you could do in the natural. If you begin to take a step. And maybe tonight the invitation for you is to take your first step. That's cool. That's awesome. We want to say, all right. Maybe it's to take a few more steps. Maybe for some of you it's to accelerate a little bit more and start moving. Right? When you're a toddler, that first step oh, is a big one. But when you get older, you start to catch your stride, right? That's the picture of the way it should be with us as God's people. So we draw close to God and we know that he draws close to us. There's three ways that I think that we can do this practically, guys, because I don't want this message just to be an ought to message. What do you mean by ought to message? Like you ought to do this. You should try this. You should do this. Majority of most messages that you'll find in podcasts and videos that you'll listen to are all ought to, telling you how it should be. And it's really easy to rally a whole bunch of people and get hyped up on the ought to. But I want to make this practical for you tonight. I want to give you some practical tools to help you walk this out. So I want to talk about the how to. How do we do this? How do we walk in the presence of God? How do we walk this thing out? Well, number one, we give God daily devotion. I think there's three practical ways that we can do this each and every day. We pray, we worship, and we read God's word. Is that simple? It's simple. We pray, we have a conversation with God, we read God's word, and we worship. And I want to say this, worship isn't just singing, but come on, everybody's got a voice that Jesus loves. Everybody sounds great in their own shower. 
Open up your heart and let God minister life to you. Instead of cranking up the talk radio on your way to work and filling your head up with other people's opinions about the world and politics, put on a worship song and just give God praise and glory. And watch how that begins to change your heart, how that conditions you, how that changes your day and the atmosphere that you step into. I love to, to start off the day with worship because it really sets the tone. But then find time to get into his word. Some of you, like I've said in the past, are morning people. Do it in the morning. Some of you are, are evening people like me. Do it at night and pray. Prayer is just simply telling God what's on your heart. As a church, we've been gathering together on Tuesdays to learn how to do this better and how to, to walk into this rhythm of a lifestyle of dynamic and powerful prayer. If you want to be a part of that, we encourage you to come out on Tuesdays at 7. The second way that we, we do this practically, that we walk in his presence, is we notice the nudges. What do I mean by nudges? I've kind of already alluded to this, but these are the small promptings of God in your life throughout your day and week that come by way of God's spirit whispering to you. Okay, sometimes these nudges are precautionary, like don't go this way, Candace, because there's a trap waiting for you. And sometimes the nudges are the wisdom of God saying like, hey, you should really think about this or you should really lean into this. Here's a great opportunity. Here's something that nobody's thinking about right now. So it can be precautionary, it can be guidance, it can be wisdom. Philippians 2.13 says, it's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So it's really the spirit of God at work in our life. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. 1 John 4.13, I love this one. By this we know that we abide in Christ and he in us because he has given us his spirit. God has given you his spirit. And then finally, Galatians 5, verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Once again, we're taking steps. Baby stepping it. We're following Jesus in the way that he's calling us to go. We know his presence is with us. We know his Spirit lives within us and abides within us. So we don't have to be afraid. So noticing the nudges it means that we're synced up with the Spirit. We're in tune it's kind of like the frequency of a radio, for those of you that still listen to the radio. When you turn the dial, you used to do this, now it's everything's electronic. When you turn the dial, you'd get a little static because you were in between frequencies. Sometimes our life is full of static because we're in between the frequencies. Does that make sense? So for some of you right now, you've got a lot of chaos and commotion and confusion in your life. You know why? Because you're in between the frequencies. God is calling you to take a step turn the dial, and to tune into his frequency. Oh, there's the clarity. There's the fullness. There's the richness. There's the articulation that I was looking for. There's that good and pleasing, perfect will that I was trying to discern and find out for my life. So we do this through prayer. We do this through worship, and we do this through the word. And the truth I've come to discover is that God's always communicating. We're just not always listening, are we? God's always trying to get through to us, but he wants us to dial in, to tune in, to hear his voice. One of the best ways to do this, I found practically, is to unplug every now and then from all of the litany of other voices that you and I subscribe to. Not just Netflix. Come on, I'm picking on Netflix tonight. But all the other things and avenues and channels of media and social media that we're just enticed by, that we go back to, really because we're bored, or because we're interested or curious or because, you know, we love it, enjoy it. And, the, and that's fine. 
But if you can unplug from that every now and then, and not just do it once a month or, or once a year, but make a consistent rhythm of this weekly, you'll be surprised how much more in the frequency of God your life will be. When you come out of the noise of the world and you allow yourself just to unplug from that, the distortion and all of the crap that comes at us, and you plug into God and you go, okay, I'm going to resync with the Spirit. It's kind of like clearing the cache memory of your computer. Any nerds out there? Okay, I'll raise my hand. So the cache memory in your computer is the temporary memory where like data is stored. So if you, you know, visit a bunch of, a bunch of uh, web pages or you're on Amazon, right, you have cache memory that's storing that history, that's storing that data so that you can access it really easily. Well, every now and then your computer starts to slow down, doesn't it? It kind of gets kind of sloppy and sloggy and it doesn't work the way it is. So what do you have to do? You have to clear the cache. You got to clear the cache memory. And clearing the cache memory is Pastor Jason's analogy of becoming synced up with the Spirit by unplugging from some of this other stuff. It's just allowing God to just clear, to bring you back to your original state and form. Isn't that good? I encourage you to try this. Find a day where you just put your phone in a box and watch what God will do. For some of you, are like, I could never do that. That's impossible. Okay, we'll start with six hours or three hours. Start small, right? Baby steps. Start small. Give God just a little bit of margin and watch what he'll do. He'll amplify it. So we notice the nudges, and then finally tonight, we follow our favor. And I, I like this point a lot. Because when God assured Moses that his presence would go with him and that his favor would be upon his life, he was assuring Moses that he would be good to him and that he would look out for him and bless him. And if God will do it for Moses, he'll do it for you. I said last week in Romans chapter 2, verse 11 or 12, that God is not a respecter of persons. He shows no partiality. So if he did it for Moses, he'll do it for you. If he said, Moses, I will be favorable to you. I will turn my face towards you. I will give you my presence. Come on, he'll do it for us. And I believe that he has done it for us in and through his son, Jesus, and in through the power of his Holy Spirit. Listen to what 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 says. But you have been anointed, say anointed, by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. Church, the truth is this. If you've put your faith in Jesus... You have been anointed by God. Isn't that awesome? The word anointed here is the Greek word chrisma, and it means to be smeared with oil. When they said that Jesus was the Christ, he was the anointed one. The Christos, the chrisma, is what happens when he takes his spirit and rubs it on you. When he takes his anointing, his presence, his person, his power, his favor, his gifts, and gives them to you. That's what it means to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. And John is telling his church, like I'm telling you here, you have been anointed by the Holy One. You've been anointed by Jesus, and you all have this knowledge. You all have been made aware of it. I think the problem is, is that most believers don't know or aren't aware of their anointing. They aren't aware of how the Holy Spirit wants to work in their life particularly. The truth is we all have gifts that God has given us. We all have an anointing from God that is unique to us. 
in our growth track class, we go through the different ways that you are spiritually gifted because we want to help you understand your gifting. What are we doing? We're trying to under- help you understand the way that Jesus has anointed you, the way that Jesus has given you his spirit to operate in your life. And here's the cool part. The anointing of God that's on your life is unique to you and it's different than it is for the other person. So the way that Candace is anointed is different than the way that I'm anointed. The way that you're anointed, Christy, is different than the way John's anointed. We're all anointed differently and uniquely and we all have different gifts from God. We just have to learn how to recognize them and grow in them. Since I've been a young man, or ever since I was a young man, I've always been sensitive to the things of the Spirit. I've always been very sensitive to the things of God. And a lot of people, when they see me play or they, they see me sing or they get my records and they listen to stuff I've done, they're like, wow, you're so gifted. You're so amazing. It's like, no, actually, all that came from a lot of work, a lot of perspiration, blood, sweat, tears, sitting in my, my bedroom for six hours a day, playing over and over and over. That was me developing my talent. And so I want to say this, your talents are different than your gifts. Well, what do you mean? Well, you can be talented, right? You can be, at, you can be athletic. You can have a certain talent. You can have a certain inclination, predisposition pre, uh, towards something. But when the Holy Spirit comes on your life, come on, you become anointed and gifted by God. And so a lot of times God will start with your talents and your talents will serve your gifts. So I learned to cultivate uh, how to play the guitar. I learned how to practice and I did all these things to get, to get good at it. But then I said, okay, Lord, what do you want to do with this? He said, well, I'm going to take your natural talent and I'm going to put my supernatural anointing and gifting on it. I'm going to show you how to, to read a room. I'm going to show you how to discern. I'm going to show you how to lean in. I'm going to show you how to, to operate in words of knowledge and words of wisdom. I'm going to show you how to understand the language of the Spirit. I'm going to show you how to understand this anointing that I've given you that transcends your physical and natural ability. All of us have an anointing for something. Some of you, it's not music. And so you're looking at me like, that doesn't relate at all. Some of you, it's environments. Some of you have, a, have an anointing to create environments, to shift things in rooms, right? Even with your interior design or your decor or the way that you see things. Some of you, God has given you that gift to be able to see in the spirit and how, how to read a room and how to make things happen that create and shift atmospheres. Some of you are great encouragers and God's given you an anointing and a gift to encourage people. So I want to say this, whatever your gift is, grab a hold of it. And you might have many. It may be more than one. Because here's the cool part. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Some of you didn't catch that. The gifts of the Holy Spirit belong to the Holy Spirit. And so if you have the Holy Spirit, you can go to him and you say, okay, God, what do you want to do in my life? How do you want to operate in my life? How do you want to walk this out? Following your favor is you learning what that is. You distinguishing, we would use the word discerning, discernment. You would discern what that is. You would grab a hold of that. You'd be able to lean into that. Okay, God, I, I noticed that I'm kind, of, I'm kind of bent in this way. I kind of have this proclivity to, to, to want to encourage people. Well, cool, let me show you how to work that spiritual gift of encouragement. Let me show you how to take that beyond your natural ability. Well, okay, God, I have the ability to cook and, and I, I love creating food for people and I love to feed and I love to do that. Okay, cool, let me, let me help you show you how to work that so that my, my anointing can be upon your life. 
It's, it's understanding what happens, what transcends the natural and what brings it into the supernatural. Am I making sense? Is everybody tracking with me? So when I say follow your favor, what I'm saying is pay attention to the way that God has uniquely gifted you and anointed you by God. Some of you are like, I don't know if I've ever, I, I have an anointing. Well, maybe you need to ask for the Holy Spirit to come upon your life. And we're going to do that in just a minute here as we close. The challenge for most of us in this day and age that we live in is that we are moving so fast and we are so overcommitted that we rush past all of these things that we've been talking about. We rush past discerning what is his good and perfect will. We rush past understanding his anointing. We rush past the nudges. We, we, we don't pay attention to our favor. We, we try to kick doors down. And then we wonder when, when, when the, the relationship ends in chaos. Following your favor, noticing the nudges. Come on, giving God daily devotion. These are practical ways of taking steps that become a rhythm in your life. This isn't us trying to live a religious life, guys. This is you and I learning how to rhythmically follow in the footsteps of our maker. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at CourageousChurch.com.